Welcome to Economics Happy Hour. My name's Matt. And my name is Jadrian. And thrilled to have you back with us for the first episode in February that we are dropping. Uh, today is February 1st on the day it's dropping. It is not February 1st on the day we are recording. So Jadrian, you've got a class schedule. What are you teaching this semester? I have two classes. Um, so I'm very fortunate. I am on uh, what is called a 2-2 teaching load. Uh, so I teach two classes in the fall, two classes in the spring, no classes in the summer. Uh, so I believe I'm on a nine month or 10 month contract. I get you know, I get paid every month, but uh, in terms of working, I only work in the fall and the spring. Um, so my you only teach is, in the fall and the spring. Uh, you do yes, plenty of work yes, in the summer. summer. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I work all year long. Um, I only teach, thank you, in the fall and the spring. You know, I'm really bad about correcting people who say things like that. And then I go and say it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Well, I mean... We Thank know you. that if, yeah. if somebody in the audience thinks, oh, what an easy gig that's, you know, uh, no, I know you know there's definitely there's definitely work in the summer. Um, definitely work. So I'm on a two two teaching load. Um, but part of the reason for that is uh, normally uh, I would teach somebody in my position would teach six courses a year. Um, I do get one course off because I serve as the director of the undergraduate studies or I serve as the director of undergraduate studies. Uh, for the department. And so what that means is I basically, one of my courses is an administrative course release. Um, gives me time to help other students, help the department, things like that. And then the other course I get off is because I teach two large classes uh, during the year. So our large classes count as one and a half. Okay. And so essentially two of the classes is really counting as three classes. And so that's where that's coming from. That so my sense. large classes have uh, about five, between 500 and 600, depending on the semester. <laughs> so Matt is making a, uh, oh is, my gosh. is always blown away by this number. I, I'll give you my full, my full digits uh, for my 10 years. So yeah, I have one section of principles of microeconomics that has uh, 500 students in it or so. Uh, and then I'm also teaching a economics of crime course that has 25 students in it. So I have one big class, one small class. Sure. Okay. Um, yeah. That, yeah. Those big numbers, they still baffle <laughs> me. Um, so this, collectively, Matt, I, I do have the data. I've this is my tenth year teaching. I, I saw over, this. But yeah. I, I've heard, but our audience may not have. So. Yeah, ten years of teaching uh, at the university level. I am over. I should actually kind of be careful on how I phrase it because it's very particular what my data is. But I, the way I phrase it is, I have taught slightly over ten thousand students. So I have just crossed that line. Yeah. Uh, after last semester, and the way that I count my students is it's I have given grades to 10,000 students, right? I've, I've uploaded grades for 10,000 10, students. I mean, I write students who drop, uh, sure. you know, they're not in my data. I don't actually know how many students have enrolled in my classes, but in terms of I've at least assigned grades to 10,000 students. That's so impressive. I teach about a thousand a year. Yeah, that's impressive. So. On average. Uh, I'm not, I don't have a class this semester, <laughs> which I miss. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I taught in the fall and it's good. It's a balance. I think uh, in our goals episode, you know, one of the things as a dean is my time generally working should be things only a dean can do. Yeah. I do think it's important to teach now and then to make sure I stay connected with students. And if I hear things like, hey, students are a little different since COVID, probably valuable that I've been in the classroom. So mm -hmm. I've got at least some firsthand experience and I do love it. So it's fun, but I am not, I do not have a class this term. Matt, I do have a question for you about that because I've I've thought about this in terms of how I present myself in my upper level courses. So I don't do this in my principal's course because mm -hmm. it, uh, my principal's course is largely, they're not econ majors, but I do teach um, an upper level, small elective economics course. 
Uh, and I, I did this last spring and I started class a particular way. And I'm curious if you do something similar. Um, when I introduce myself, sort of that first day introduction, I say, look, yep. I'm your instructor, Dr. Wooten. You'll always know like um, when I'm emailing you about class, because I do a certain thing in my emails, I put the class code at the beginning of it um, so that that way they know. But the problem is I also email them as econ majors representing the department as the director of undergraduate studies. And so I tell them at the beginning, sort of, I'm sorry, you're going to get lots of emails from me, right? I'm going to email you yeah, about yeah, yeah. when your assignments are due, but I'm also going to email you about internship opportunities. You need to know sort of which hat I'm wearing when I email you. Um, do you do something similar whenever, like as the dean, when you're teaching, do you say like, I'm, I, do you say I'm Dean Rosu or do you just say I'm Dr. Rosu? Uh, I tell them they could say doctor, professor, dean. Um, I'm kind of whatever they, you know, term of respect. Um, okay. You know, any of those three I'd be fine with. Uh, I haven't apologized for doing that, but no, I do send them some of the, um, I do send them those emails too from time to time or, hey, we've got this scholarship you could apply mm -hmm. for, or there's this great, you know, a few years ago, I would have emailed them as Dean to say, we've got this um, great sports economist coming to talk. Uh, <laughs> his name's uh, Professor Wooten. You should come check him out. And So now actually I have a, a follow-up question that do you, I don't know if Susquehanna does this, Virginia yeah. Tech does. Um, do y'all have campaigns that encourage your current students to donate to the university? There is a day of giving. Yes. Uh, yep. I will giving email day. the seniors usually mm -hmm. on the day of giving. And often I will say, if you give, um, it's usually a small $5. So those of you listening, we're not yeah. asking them for like thousands of dollars. It's yep. almost yep. always day of giving is please give $5. Actually, like, what I tell them is if you give, um, $6, uh, you can actually come by, show us you gave the $6 and we'll give you the business school shirt. The mm -hmm. shirt costs us five, which means if they're itemizing their deductions legally, <laughs> they can't call all six. That's I put that in there because legally I have to, <laughs> but of course none of these students are itemizing deductions at age 22. I mean, with no house and you know no mortgage and anything, but I do have to put that in there. I do email for that um, pretty small amount, but we, we try to build in... Um, you know, we talk to students about, I mean, at a private school, mm -hmm. a lot. And I mean, it's the same at Virginia Tech, too, though. Uh, all our students benefit because a lot of people have given money who have mm -hmm. never met them. Like the yeah. scholarships they get, the fact that we have Bloomberg Terminal Access, that's because mm -hmm. some, an alum gave money that that's paying for that. They The alum has not met most of the students. So yeah. we, we do talk about that and say, you know, it's not required, but, you you know, these people are making a difference in your lives. Down the road, it's not even just money, right? You could be at a place and you could think, I'm, I might want to mentor a student or mm -hmm. um, I, I need more. jobs or internships available. The mentoring aspect is so huge. I am so thankful that I have had an incredible number of former students that I feel comfortable reaching out to and saying, hey, can you spare 15 minutes to talk to yeah. one of my current students? They really want to do what you're doing and you're the best person to tell them what it is. Yep. And I am always blown away by how many people are willing to do that, which I imagine they've probably never given money to their university, but I don't think they realize that by giving their time to a student, you yep. know, I don't want to say that they're making a bigger impact. You know, that's maybe a bigger impact than a $20 donation would be. Um, but the impact that that has on that Good one impact. student is, is, yep. is huge. Yeah. And so from a administrator point of view, for those of who are listening, it's the irony of that is the people who give their time and are mm -hmm. already giving something they are then more likely to actually give money too. 
Yeah, um, which yeah. is kind of an irony. But before we get too far, we should probably describe what we're drinking here. Yeah, uh, so I am uh, switching it up. Not not doing a beer tonight. You know, actually, I even told you this a couple weeks ago. I'm I'm building a bar cart. I've got stuff to make mixed drinks, but that would require me to prepare it before a meeting. Yeah, and I am generally rushing to. to Next run time we here. have Brian O'Rourke on, we'll, we'll the Brian, drink. we're we're gonna have a panel of Brian's. We need a third yep. Brian. Yep. Uh, I am having a Cobbler Mountain Cider Company original honey cider they are a cidery out of and i'm gonna butcher these i really need to learn virginia towns i'm gonna say Dela plain virginia um absolute like i've had a this is probably my sixth cider from them i got them in a, in a mixed pack from the local beer store every single cider i've had absolutely amazing on untapped if you look these up on untapped matt yeah. these are like 4.0 average ciders like they're that's a, that's a good cider they're all really really good so original honey cider is what i'm doing today Cool. And so I am, it is February 1st, so I could say damp January is over. Uh, we're in January. I mentioned on the last episode, um, I'm trying to limit to one drink per day. This will be my alcoholic beverage for the day. A Melvin back in the haze, hazy IPA. Okay. You know, a hazy IPA is fine. I got nervous because I saw the word black in front and I was thinking like a, like a black lager. And I was like, what would a black hazy IPA taste like? I was, I was trying to mix together a black lager and a hazy IPA. And I was like, that sounds disgusting. Uh, that does sound pretty disgusting. Thankfully, no, this one, uh, this one. Just a, ha- just a hazy. Looks, sounds and looks delicious. So, uh, well, like before it. we get started, then I guess cheers. Uh, cheers, Matt. Mine's very clear today. So it's, I forget. Mine, I, mine is pretty hazy. So which Yours is- looks like an IPA. So yeah, I'm going with apple juice. Adult apple juice is what mine is. Adult today. apple juice. So Matt, actually, let me ask you one more question, and then yep. maybe we, we could we could talk about. I mean, we're we're in this we're in the realm of money. We're going to talk about money today. Um, I'm actually kind of curious. Have you ever checked to see if the students who have taken your class donate at a higher rate or amount than other students? No, nope. never checked. You never. Checked? I don't even know if I. I don't even know that I have the data available to check, and it wouldn't be but my. At, office. I would have to put in a request. Exactly. So this is where I'm going, right? As a dean. You have the authority to request that. Um, I, I actually maybe don't. you have you have more authority to request it than just about any other faculty member in your college. Yeah, I, I feel a little uncomfortable requesting that, to be honest. Well, uh, so the reason I ask, right, is I mean these students have made a, I think a connection with you in game theory, yep. and I, I'm going to assume a positive connection because you're a great teacher. And we all, uh, you know, I see this with alumni all the time, right? When they when they ask why, you know, why do you give back to the university? And it's almost always they had really great professors. They had a great experience. They yeah. they had a great experience, great professor, and um, so I was just I'm more curious in the sense that because they have you and they were sort of, you know, they they know you from the professor side of things. Yeah. Most students don't know their dean. That's not a that's true. I, I think it might be different, but I have an extra level of credibility. I think. Um, relative to the previous deans and this is right. who were external whereas i did um mm-hmm. last time i mentioned doing a series on curb your enthusiasm i had an alum who graduated in 2008 who's in the venture capital and who's bought and sold companies and we came he came on and we talked yeah. about this curb your enthusiasm episode where there was investing and, <laughs> and he's on the council but like he knows me not just as the dean he right. taught him and i knew him as an alum before i was dean for many years mm-hmm. and that's it's pretty it's a huge advantage in, um, in kind of connecting, they know if I talk about how much I love Susquehanna, they know, they know, I was here they know it's real years yeah. before I was Dean um, and loved this place. So that's a that's a big advantage. So speaking of money, I have a, I have a question for you. Awkward transition time. But I have on, a the, on the topic of money. Ask me the, the question. Topic of money. 
Uh, so it is the day this is dropping is February 1st. Mm-hmm. And in uh, 10 days, it is the Super Bowl. So I want to paint yes. a scenario okay. for you. Uh, the question is how much you'd be willing to pay. So imagine that somebody, um, imagine you are offered a ticket to the Super Bowl. Um, and it's somebody and says, it's the Texans, and it's the Texans because the text, well, we, okay, should, let me, let's back up, Matt. We don't know who it is, right? When we're recording this, we don't know who it is. Yeah. yeah we don't know so, who, we do not know. As who I'm sitting is. here saying it's the Texans and people yeah. are listening to us going, what idiots? That's not who the teams are. No. Uh, yeah. The playoffs actually haven't started when we've recorded this. It's right before, <laughs> we need to put these like, warnings in our, in yeah. our podcast that we're um, not idiots. We're so let's say it's, early. um, but let's say it's somebody like, um, where you can't get it and sell it because you you just wouldn't feel like it's not okay for you to do that. Um, They, you know, they're, and well, let's just say it's me and say, Hey, I got an extra ticket. And, you know, Amanda doesn't want to go. I know Mm -hmm. you'd love it. Um, But I I can't just give you the ticket because I could sell it for like five grand or six grand or something. Um, What would be the most, like I and I saying, but I so I will charge you this price. Yeah. What dollar amount is the most where you would say yes? Like, is it? Man, yeah, I'm talking about five hundred thousand dollars. It's, it's up there, right? So the super a Super Bowl is my bucket list item. I have a bucket list of things I want to do. Um, a Super Bowl is up there. The idea that I can go to a Super Bowl with my friend, possibly see a team I love. It's going to be up there. I, I don't think it's going to be a thousand. I think thousands is too rich for me. That makes me feel uncomfortable. Um, the most I've spent on a on an individual ticket. Yeah. Actually, I'll say the most I've spent on a sporting experience was when my, my alma mater played in the national championship game. Um, they won their playoff game. So that's St. Houston State University, by the way. Yeah. Um, they played their cha- playoff game two week, two or three weeks later. The game was in Dallas. Uh, as soon as the second hit the scoreboard, I booked a Delta ticket from State College, Pennsylvania to Dallas, Texas. I rented a hotel room. I requested tickets from the university, right? Like I immediately yep. Yep. dropped probably close to $1,000 in total. Yeah. So yeah. ticket wise, Super Bowl's up there. I I would feel comfortable saying 500, 600, 700. So I'd say upper, on the upper end where you would get me uncomfortable. Okay. Around seven hundred dollars, I'd start feeling uncomfortable. Okay, well, why don't we say seven? So seven, seven. might let's be go seven. a different yeah. point. Yeah. Now let's different scenario. Mm-hmm. I love this scenario. You've won. You got um, like let's say you won a contest. Absolutely. You, know, you you put your name in. You you filled. You you did one of these Fox Super Six. You picked the scores of the game and you won the Super Bowl ticket. Mm-hmm. And somebody says, "I would like to buy it from you." What? Is it, would you sell it for the same 700? Absolutely not. I'm selling okay, it for way more. What is the amount? <laughs> way more. So, um, let's say they come with two grand. Yep. You think you'd sell for two grand? I, I need more money, right? I need more than 700. Okay. Um, it, it's going to be, it's going to be, I'm going to call it four. It's at least four digits. It's at least a thousand dollars. Um. I'm gonna say let's let me say at least a thousand. A thousand would get me thinking about it. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. And what I like about this is it kind of it it is a good illustration, even as economists, right? When yes. we talk about this, this is a good illustration of what we would call the willingness to pay, willingness to accept disparity. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's linked to what's called the endowment effect. Sometimes yep. it could be this disparity could perhaps not be linked to the endowment effect. But it's the idea that 
for some items, it's not for all items, but for some items, the amount you might be willing to pay if you don't have it is a lot, is, is much less than the amount you would need to receive to part mm -hmm. ways with this item if you did have it. Uh, our family had one, an example of this from, gosh, and I can't believe time goes way too fast, about uh, eight years ago. It would have been Christmas of 2015. I bought the tickets about four months before for Hamilton on Broadway. Um, and this was the yeah. original cast. This was Lin-Manuel Miranda. This is David Diggs. This is uh, Elise Goldsberry. Like all of the all of the big people for right. February for a present. The way we told our, this was the kid's Christmas present. Um, mm -hmm. We didn't tell, We I just put three envelopes in the tree. It was the last, you know, <laughs> the very last thing. I'm like, actually there's some envelopes up here. They just opened them and all that was in there was a $10 bill with Chess Hamilton on it. Right. Um, well, we bought the tickets. They were like, they were $89 tickets when we bought them because we nice. bought them from the place. By the yeah. time Christmas rolled around, we bought them in August. We could have sold them for at least 500. Mm -hmm. I mean, Greg Mankiw has a story on his blog about paying $2,500 per ticket. So yeah. those were, would have been better seats than what we had, but we could have gotten at least 500. I told the kids, you know, if you want, what we could do is we could sell your ticket for 500. We could buy one for say 18 months from now for like 150 or 200 and you get to keep the rest of the money. Yeah. And you could buy a closer ticket for like, <laughs> and they looked at me like I was trying to take away Christmas, which, you know, <laughs> it was about their presence. So we, we went on and it was yeah. cool to see the original cast. But I think there was a, we would have never paid $500 no. to go then. Uh, but we weren't ready to accept 500 mm -mm. for those. No. Tickets. So, you, you know, Matt, what's, what's interesting. So you talked about the endowment effect. I think we should make sure we, we fully define that. The endowment effect is this idea that once you have been endowed with something, once you hold yep. something, you have it. Um, you behave very differently than if you need to obtain that item uh, yourself. And so that's a, a lot of it comes down, at least what I've seen, at least, right? So this idea of the endowment effect is like, as soon as you have it, you have this sort of aspirational or like this vision, right? So like, as soon as you have the tickets, you see yourself sitting down at the seat, you see yourself clapping and, and in the moment. And then like that extra, those extra things add value yeah. um, even though they haven't happened you don't know that they're going to happen right maybe you show up and it's like a you just get an entire cast of seconds and it's the worst experience you've ever had but you don't you don't assume that right when you have yeah. it you you act very differently yeah yeah and uh, it often comes down to um first up i guess the, before i get to the what i was going to say next uh you mentioned uh, how people behave this is very much i think falls under the line the realm of behavioral economics this part uh, the differential yeah yeah, Absolutely. the differential, the idea of an endowment effect, mm -hmm. and uh, the other concept that it comes to it that people would kind of often tie to an, an endowment effect is loss aversion. Yeah, when you don't have it, you haven't lost it. But if you're going to lose it, there's a pain in losing it, and that would require a little bit more to be given um, to obtain the particular item. And there's um, this is an area I, I I haven't really done that much on specifically the willingness to pay willingness to accept disparity in my work, but I've done a lot on auctions mm -hmm. in the agricultural and environmental space. There's a lot of work on that. I believe your dissertation advisor um, has it's, done a lot of work in this area too. Yeah, she's done um, a lot of work in a lot of stuff. She does a lot, a lot of, of amazing, she does yeah. a lot of amazing things. Um, who, you know, the, um, we have 
spoke we have um but with the auctions right that's a willingness to pay estimate and then mm -hmm. talked about a willingness to accept estimates you could do auctions and i've done an i've, I've published actually a couple auctions that have been on the willingness to accept side where we've we've taken something away and mm -hmm. and it, it, it's a little bit tricky because you have to figure out how would if if there's a disparity how would that affect things and how would that affect the estimates we might be receiving um we did one and i'll, I'll just kind of sharing on the research where we wanted to value how much would people need to be paid to get a vaccine? Mm -hmm. And this was pre-COVID shots. COVID was out, but there weren't COVID <laughs> shots yet. Right. Uh, so on the Susquehanna University campus, we brought in students and asking um, who had not had the flu shot yet in early October, which, okay, it had come out, but it, you know, the wasn't like this was out forever for that right. season. And we ran them through a practice auction where we handed them a Susquehanna University pen, and then we did an auction to get the pen back. Like, how much would yeah. you need to be paid to give us this back? And then we did an auction to say, okay, next is a vaccine. Um, you know, the the winner of this will be the person who submits the lowest bid because we're going to pay. And we, you know, much mm -hmm. like an auctioneer selling wants the highest bid, if we're going to pay, we want the lowest. And people submitted bids for how much they would need to be walked over immediately after to the health center to get the shot, to get a flu shot. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's kind of interesting. And what we, for this one, it was kind of good because we're thinking through, well, if there is an overestimate, it's actually good because what we're trying to think of how affordable, if you think, if you're crafting an economic policy on that, how could we is it worth encouraging people to get shots or is it worth mm -hmm. workplaces encouraging people to get vaccinated? How much money are we talking about? Our estimate in some ways could be thought of as an upper bound. It may not yeah. be quite as expensive as you're thinking. Um, for those who want to know, ha um, half the people said they do it for free. And of those who said they needed to be paid, most, it was under $20. Yeah. So I've, it wasn't so like actually, they were anti-vaccine. They yeah, were just yeah. like, I don't really like needles. So I, yeah, you know, I have a question. Pay me 20 bucks and I'll do it, but I don't want to get a needle yeah. shot. The half that said free, did you walk them all over and get them a flu shot? No, you just choose okay. one. That's... The way the auction design works is okay. you do a random And then drug. it's random among the, okay. Yep, yep. yep. So. And I assume that these are people who had not already gotten their flu shot. These were all students who had yeah. not had their flu shots. Yep, that is. You that know, was... the, I would really be interested. Again, it's, it's too late. Um, and data wise, uh, who knows, uh, you probably aren't allowed to ever get this data. I'd be really curious about students who sat through this experiment, how many of them within like a couple of days, like within that day, like also just went and got it. Yeah, because right, you can that, get it for free, right? Right. That's yeah. You, that's that's always the funny part, right? Is that you can get yeah. it for free. I'd be curious how many people, right? Like they showed up to your experiment, um, sort of the salience, right? Like I think that's always a big yeah. part of the behavioral economics space is sort of um, the fact that you're forcing them to think about it yeah. makes this idea of the flu shot salient in their mind. And I wonder how many of them who said, well, I would do it for free. I wonder how many of them like right afterwards go, you know, I just said I would do it for free. Let me just go ahead and walk over there and sure. do it. I'd be really curious, like just of, yeah. of that sort of reminder. Way too late to even inspect, although <laughs> I don't think there's any way, you know, our health center's not given the data. For no, exactly. Legal the health not gonna... reasons, but it's it's kind of too late to even go back and say, hey, <laughs> you we have your a... names. Did you end up getting a shot? And see yeah. if like half of you... them did. So that would have been interesting. That, yeah. Uh, when you do experiments, you know, you set them up, you craft them. And then when you run it, like you can't go back afterwards. No. So there's, I, you know, yeah. As an editor, I always feel so, 
these are always the things that reviewers say in papers to to experiments and i'm like you they can't there's nothing they can do about it you like we can add this like they can add it as a footnote yeah. they can't go back and they, like reviewers will want them to like rerun the whole experiment and i'm like they, they can't do that well i have uh jay corrigan who's at kenyan college and we've collaborated on a lot of work and he's an absolutely outstanding professor too um just pure teacher one of very very gifted he and i had a i would say it's a, i would call it a rejection from the american journal of agricultural economics which is okay. by far i mean i don't know what some others would say to me that was always the top ag econ journal and i didn't i never even thought it was close i know there's some other journals in development like there's some others that yeah. maybe some would claim but to me that was all regardless it's a very very good journal and the big criticism was ah, your experiments showed some things but if you did it this different way then you would have really gotten what we need so we're going to reject it jay and i looked at this and we're like okay it's the ajae mm -hmm. let's, let's run it and then let's resubmit it to the editor and say, I know it was rejected, but it was rejected on this grounds. We went yeah. through and ran this. We think the paper is much stronger. We're hoping you would consider this as a resubmission. They accepted it as a resubmission. They took it in as a resubmission. The editors gave us feedback that wasn't rerunning it, and it got published. You know, I've, I mean, I've issued rejected resubmits as an editor before. So yeah, so I mean, and sometimes it's, it is. It's things like that, right? Like, uh, you know, it's rejected, but if you can do it, go out and do it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's now for us, that was, you know, we were very young in our careers. That was a, a great journal to target mm -hmm. the comments and the comments weren't wrong. Like they made yep. the comments you're like, yeah, that, that actually would add quite a bit of power to value the, to this paper. It adds value. It would make it a stronger paper. So, so there it's um it's an interesting space. You could run into some interesting issues, but with the Super Bowl, it's, it's just a, it's these once in a lifetime events that I, I don't even know what the answers are for me. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know what my wife would say if I said I got an offer for five hundred bucks. I can go to the game. I think she'd probably say for five hundred, you got to go. Yes. I think if it, I think if it was a thousand, I would get a look. <laughs> and then it starts turning into where are the seats, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, are those a thousand in the nose? Well, so actually, I, I will share that I had this. Ex actually, I could. You know what? I can give you a full flashback here. Okay. I went to Texas. By the time you're listening to this, I went to Texas like a month ago, um, but I went to Texas recently and uh, I was booking my travel. So I, uh, I was there for more than just the AEA meetings. Um, I went home for a little bit too, but you know, part of the challenge was figuring out when you go for a long period of time, right? Like, do you come back on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, what, sure. when you don't have to teach, you got to figure out like, which day are you coming back? And since I was going to Texas, I flew, what I actually did was I flew into Houston to see my family, drove over to San Antonio, flew back home from San Antonio. Um, but while I was looking for flights, part of the process, I was actually going through and saying, you know what, well, what if I fly into San Antonio, drive to see my family in Houston, drive back, fly out of San Antonio? What if I fly into Houston, drive over to San Antonio for the conference, come back to Houston? The national championship was in Houston. I actually looked, I, so I flew back the night of the national championship, okay. but I did actually consider staying an extra night so that I could go to the national championship game. I go, oh my God, it's in Houston. This is amazing. Yeah. And then I looked on StubHub and this was a month before. So I, they roughly knew who was going to be, I, there was ideas, right? Um, you know, it could have been Texas, Alabama, Washington, or Michigan, right? Like maybe Florida state. I don't think I, it was sort of conference championship time. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, is when yeah, I booked yeah. it. Um, but even when I looked, 
I pulled up the tickets and I was like, yeah, I'll, I could go to the national championship. And I was doing the same thing. Like in my head, I'm like, how much am I willing to pay to go see the national championship? And it was around four, I, you know, in my mind, I was going three, I was saying 300 to $400 is how much I was comfortable paying for something like that. And I logged on to StubHub. So again, this is before knowing who was in the game. I logged on to StubHub. The cheapest tickets were like $1,200. I have never closed a ticket resale site faster. Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, there, there's because I'm I sitting there going like, well, maybe the maybe the prices will come down. I said, there's no way they're coming down to what I'm willing to pay. Um, <laughs> I exited real fast. Yeah, and I flew back on Monday. It's interesting. The um, I saw an analysis on NFL games for StubHub, and they said the best thing is definitely is the week before. Mm-hmm. If you can, usually the best thing is the morning of to buy. Yep, the absolutely. That's what I did for the Peach Bowl. So I went to the Peach Bowl. I saw yeah. Penn State and Ole Miss and. Um, you could buy them from the university for $115 or something like that. Um, yep. And I looked on StubHub and they were going for about 125 And I just, I waited day by day and it'd go 125 120 115 110 I just watched it tick down. And I think I finally got them for like 70 or 75 I um, um That's what I did. I went to a, the Vikings Chargers game. I took mm-hmm. my dad. It was his, uh, it was the early Christmas present for him. Took him when week three of the season and i did the same strategy it was worth waiting i just texted you it ended up being the most expensive tickets ever so they went up from there the average oh, prices yeah. Um, yeah i mean this is which, that's yeah. like boy for that the amount that they actually went for you could have gone to two taylor swift concerts mm-hmm. well so i was actually, I would, I actually that that was the transition i was about to bring in i was about to say that that is actually something that we saw a lot of for the errors tour was that people were buying these tickets and all of a sudden they were like, well, I'm not selling this for less than a couple thousand. And then you got these sort of the, you know, if you saw the Taylor Swift tickets, how much they were costing on StubHub and stuff of like, why are people listing these incredibly cheap tickets for $4,000? Yeah. A lot of this is the willingness to pay because essentially, right. They, I don't want to say they were gifted a ticket. They paid for it. Um, but they were one of the, they were one of the few who waited in line through the Ticketmaster. Yep. Yep. Taylor Swift, right. They were, they got a ticket. They were endowed with a ticket for, I think they were actually relatively cheap too. I think if I remember correctly, they were like face value was low. And you know, all of a sudden, right? 100 like bucks for the it, very cheapest, bucks, yeah. two, three, five, two, three, four, five hundred. Like the premium might have been 400 or 500. Yeah. Or something. And then it turns into you could sit in the nosebleeds for 2000. Yeah. Um, which just, yeah, right. That's a lot of it. And then people look at that and go, I'm not willing to pay that much. <laughs> You know, I, Matt, so I've always wondered this. So since we're talking about tickets for stuff, um, I tweeted about this and it's still just incredibly confusing to me. So I bought my tickets for the for the Peach Bowl. And, you know, this will happen for any concert, any sporting event whatsoever. Mm-hmm. StubHub and Ticketmaster will list these resale tickets. Even if you wait to the hour before the game, you will often see 100, 200, 1,000 tickets on there. And it is always shocking to me. And I think this goes back to the our differential yeah. idea. There are literally hundreds of people holding tickets to games they will not go to because they refuse to drop those ticket prices down to $25. I think I yeah, I looked at the Peach Bowl and I think 30 minutes before the game, there was still like 300 tickets available that you could purchase. And they were still all at like $60 and $70. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, I get that you paid a hundred dollars for it and you don't want to lose too much money. Yeah. But like, you're not going, it's 30 minutes before the game. You're not going to this game. Get $20 back. So, like, well, 
I mean, first, I, I think sometimes people will buy them late. Um, but I'm going to just type in, for example, right now it is 624 on a Thursday mm -hmm. when we're recording this. I'm going to type in Hamilton into StubHub and just see what, what yeah. it is. Um, there, Hamilton is be... not quite what it used to be, but Richard Rogers, it starts at 7 p.m. Um, I'm going to say two seats together. Right, but th this, uh, is what, this is what blows my mind as you're getting it to load. There yep. are literally going to be dozens of people who do not go. And it's purely because they are not willing to sell for lower than some value. It's interesting here. So um, you could get two seats, orchestra center, row W. This is going to be cheaper than, oh, actually it says partial view is printed on the ticket. Um, it's still probably pretty great seats. Um, yeah. I'm guessing like the part. <laughs> okay. So the, the, you're on the side a little bit, a little bit's cut off, but you, you know, you're, they're going to be, be row w okay it's 24th row but it's orchestra uh 163 each now that is before the fees right that is cheaper than list price but this is what get it's before it's right it's cheaper than list. so this is actually a really good example sort of right this idea that they have paid the list price probably yep. right maybe maybe they're part of a a broadway club and they're members or something but yep. well let's assume they paid the list price they but it is like this uh, willingness to sell, like this lower bound is so strong for people that I just, this is where I'm going to say, as an observer, I'm like, why don't you do this? And then when I'm in that exact same position, I do yeah. the exact same thing. So I'm not, um, I'm not certain. So first there is 34 minutes left. There's only one other, and this one, there's only one other set of two for sale. And I will show the screen and I'll let you laugh at this before I tell people. Well, maybe I won't because I don't think you can see it. It just shows up as white, doesn't it? No, just white on my side. Yeah. The ticket price for the other two, it's Orchestra Center. Um, what row is it? It's Orchestra Center. Does it say the actual row on this other one? Um, but they were. Um, it was $3,300 for the per ticket. Plus a thousand dollar fees because StubHub charges the fees <laughs> yeah. proportionally. So the other people are free. I mean, yeah, they're not going to, I would think they're not going to sell those. That was for two seats together. I'm, I don't know, maybe one seat together. It's a little bit cheaper. Uh, sometimes Broadway shows, it's kind of interesting. I, I've looked when it's like a super, either like a hundred degrees and disgustingly humid and they're like mm -hmm. heat advisory. Don't, you know, you don't want to be outside today. And for Broadway shows, you wait outside to get in. It's disgusting. Those days, ticket prices drop dramatically because people who have seats are like, I don't want to go stand outside in the city on those days. So if you're in New York on those particular days, that's um, it's not a bad, not a bad time to be there. Well, so. look, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up some sports. Uh, okay. I'm, gonna pull, I'm gonna pull up sports tickets for tonight. So there's lots of bas there's lots of college basketball games online or happening right now. Um, one, I mean, I guess one argument right is that Broadway is smaller venues bigger population centers what about college sports where relatively larger bit oh. venues smaller maybe population so as the time we as as matt and i are talking to each other um the illinois fighting illini men's basketball team is currently number 10 in the country they have a game that starts in it's not as close as your uh your time it was it starts in a couple hours so it starts at uh, 9 p.m eastern okay. yep the cheapest tickets are seven dollars, um, but even in the upper deck, so I'm on StubHub right now. 
Um, there are at least dozens of tickets. Some people are currently trying to sell their tickets for a thousand dollars a piece. Um, and those aren't even rings, they're not even courtside seats. Um there are, I'll say, I'll call them upper deck tickets, right? So there are upper deck tickets sure. in the nosebleeds that are starting as low as seven, but some of these are $75 a piece. Yeah. Um, I wish I could easily see how many seats are available. Um, well, you're I'm trying gonna... to find that. Um, one part where the economics comes into play on these, I mentioned the terrible weather. Uh, the Houston Texans, you can get a seat. You can get in for 100 bucks right now for the playoff game. Um, <laughs> it is supposed to be one of the coldest playoff games ever in Kansas yeah. City. And I'm curious if uh, my friend Dan Keister from Kansas State, who's a huge Chiefs fan, uh, might be going. But you could get in playoff game versus the Dolphins versus yeah. Tyreek Hill, their former superstar that they traded away. Uh, you can get in for 45 bucks um for a playoff game like that's so cheap but put on, put on the layers but you're going to endure some pretty brutal weather now if you yeah. want to be in the lower level i'm just typing in one lower level you could still get a lower level good seat for under 200 yeah um, that's lower level like 50 yard line mm -hmm. uh lower level end zone for 117 yeah but you know if you're willing to endure frostbite you can, you can get a good seat but the weather i as an economist, we would predict these things, right? People mm -hmm. would rather be seeing a game when it's 50 degrees yeah. than when it's zero degrees. And also, the, yeah. the demand, um, both the demand, and, it, and it's a weird thing, the demand and the supply are kind of intertwined because <laughs> fewer people are going to demand to want to go, and but then some who have it will supply. <laughs> they don't, they don't want to go. My eighty to my eighty inch flat screen TV looks pretty darn comfortable right about now. Yeah, so that same Houston State game I told you about. I don't know if you actually watched that. Uh, wait, where'd you do your undergrad? Uh, University of South Dakota. Oh, not South Dakota State. Okay, I Correct. think we may have had this conversation. Yep, 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 yep. before. Okay. Um, yeah, so it was the South Dakota State, the one that they when they lost, um, absolute torrential downpour, um, just. It was so it was so bad. They like they had to do a, a storm warning halfway through and tell everybody to leave uh, and go to their cars. It was so bad. Um, and then like as I'm sitting there, like mentally, all I could think about was, why did I buy these from the university? I could have got these for so much cheaper if I had sure. just waited. But I like I needed to guarantee that I would get tickets um, since I booked the uh, since I booked the flight and the hotel and rental car and all that. Yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. Like, there's value in making sure you you do know. Um so. Right, and I knew, like, I couldn't sell them, right? Like, once I found out it was going to rain, I couldn't sell these tickets nope. and trade them in for better ones. Nobody was going to this game. No, you could not. No, you <laughs> could not. Um, so any uh, any pop culture you can think about for related oh to... Oh, my gosh. The pop willingness culture. to pay, willingness to Ooh. accept disparity, or behavioral economics in general, we could probably drop down to. Um yeah um i'm gonna i'm gonna go with no um only so on the pop culture side i don't think so uh, i'm trying to like furiously um look stuff up i some of these examples that i have in here i don't even like recognize oh i mean this isn't pop culture but i can i'll share it um no, I don't have a pop culture example. Okay. Um, but every year around, um, I guess it happens more often now that the Powerball is so much bigger, um, news places, right? So the video I have on, on my website is Business Insider that does it, but almost that happens all the time. Um, when the Powerball tickets are really high or the Powerball jackpot is really high, uh, the news will go around and ask people um, after they've bought their ticket, would they be willing to sell their ticket 
or how much they'd be willing to sell their ticket for. Um, and it's like Powerball tickets are not that much money. I, Matt, I don't, I don't two, play the two Powerball. bucks each, maybe two bucks. Yeah, they're not that much. Yeah, you, yeah, um, I think it's two bucks. They used to be a dollar, and I think they they're a couple them. dollars, right? They're not, they're not that much. Yeah. Um, but they will go around to people like, oh, you bought a ticket for tonight's Powerball. Like, would you be willing to sell that ticket that you have right now? And every single person's like, no. And they're like, come on, we'll give you five dollars for your ticket. And they're like, no. <laughs> and so part of it, right, is this idea that like you're you're not necessarily that you're endowed with it, right? But like those are your numbers. Um, and so they sort of test this idea of like the people basically say no because like what if those numbers won? Um, and even though we know that the probability of winning the Powerball is so small, yeah, yeah. And the, the idea is like imagine selling your winning ticket for five dollars. So um, if they allowed you to then take yeah. a photo and go in and buy the other one so you'd get half of the Powerball. You could have got half, yeah. Then then that's fine. And then they can't, they're allowed to, right? Like the, This is a weird one, right? If you they're sold just, them, They're a normal news organization. You can't, right? You could sell your ticket for $5. I mean, I, I cannot fathom. And I mean, it's like, I, I, I say this not joke, like, because it's not a joking matter. I literally think like some people who would do, like if they had a ticket and they sold mm -hmm. it for $5, I would literally be afraid for their safety. Like, I, I mean, I mean, dead serious. Like, in terms of, like, please don't hurt yourself. Please do not inflict self harm. If you found out that, yeah, you could have had um, eight hundred million dollar, you know, and well, that's the idea, right? If if you sell your ticket and then go buy another one, yeah, right, you'll Correct. only get half the money. But you're, but yeah, you're, then it's you're fine. fine. If you didn't do that, though, then I, I can but the, understand. But they, would, but they would still be mad, right? This idea that like I sold away half my money for five dollars yeah 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 <laughs> uh those those people i think would not i wouldn't be worried about the self-harm part i would literally be worried about self-harm if somebody knew you know that they did that no so that's an interesting count, that's, one. it's not pop culture but i'm gonna count it as my pop culture and i'll share it on yeah. the Substack so people can watch it no i think that's uh that's a very good um it's a good example i don't know that i have any a, a good um one on the disparity either the um what I, I guess what I'll mention, though, is one, it's a little bit on pricing and bidding wars and willingness to pay, willingness to accept. And I've got an episode and this is before your I think this is where we're not that much different in age, but the 10 years makes a difference. Uh, did you ever watch did, uh, other than me showing you some family ties? Alex P. Keaton, Michael J. Fox. Um, I know. I'm going to say no, I've never watched family. Okay. Ties. There is an episode. It's um, season three uh, of family ties. It's called this. The episode's called Four Rooms Ocean View. And I'm doing a video that's coming out on this at some point soon. Charlotte's going to, we're going to make a switch to the thumbnail, but she's the thumbnail. She, she's Expert. the guru who makes the great graphics. So, um, and it all starts out Mallory, the sister, crashes the car. She wasn't supposed to drive. Alex is in charge because the parents are out of town and gave her permission to drive. So they're all in trouble. Mm -hmm. And they realize it's the homecoming game. And there are no hotel rooms, so they decide to rent out the rooms. And it's an interesting, it's just an interesting example of um, willingness to pay, willingness to accept. Eventually, the price gets high enough where the little kids start renting out their rooms. And they're like, yeah, you know what, we'll go to a sleeping bag on the floor to get an extra $100. It's, um, I don't know that it quite ties in exactly, but by the time this is out, that video may be out on YouTube. But if not, okay. it will be out soon. So it's uh, I'm posting it. And you can... So Family Ties has some absolutely priceless episodes to it. Uh, it's, but 
Michael J. Fox is just an incredible actor, and the rest of the team was pretty good too. So this is where I'm guessing that as as a child, um, Family Ties was not old enough to be on Nick at Night. So I, as a kid, I loved Nick at Night. Um, okay. In the summer, they would do these like marathons, like Tuesdays were Bewitched and Wednesdays were Happy Days. Right. Um, so those were the Nick at Night shows. I remember Bewitched, Happy Days, I Love Lucy, and Family Ties was just too new yep. um, when I was a kid that it wouldn't have worked. It, like they wouldn't yeah. have been on there. It was around and the it, same age. I mean, it came out same time as it would have been. It was like around, around the same, same time, time as Cheers, Cheers right? and Cosby yeah. Show. And in fact, I think for a while, Cosby Show, Family Ties, and Cheers were the three shows in a row mm-hmm. on NBC when they had their must-see TV lineup. Um, yeah. Not 100% on that, but I'm pretty certain that those three for a time would have been the 8 o'clock, the 8.30, and the 9 o'clock shows, mm-hmm. uh, Eastern time shows. So uh, so anyways, that's interesting, and you can check it out. We'll, if it's dropped, we'll put a link in the description. <laughs> if not, uh, it's something to look for. It'll, it'll be coming. It will be coming. But well... Uh, Hope that your cider was good. Got just a little left. I always I always try to save my last drink for you. So uh, um, you're more considerate than I am, but I'll still say cheers with the empty glass. So thank cheers. you to everybody for listening. Please, um, you know, we appreciate appreciate that you listen to us. Uh, a review, five star ratings are always mm-hmm. helpful. More people might likes, find it. shares, subscribes, put it on your social media. Uh, I, we know. Actually, I'm gonna say this: there are teachers out there listening to us right now. And they have made it all the way through this video or this audio because they've listened to every episode. You are in a Facebook group for other high school economics teachers. Drop the link. Help us out. Let other people know. We would appreciate it. Um, so any sort of sharing is great. Matt and I love it. That would be that would be awesome. That would be awesome. So, yeah. So thank you, everybody. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>